discovered something minorly important fine steed has no material requirements oh so my god it whenever so useful in this summon <laughs> an actual cow uh no uh i don't think i can cue me banging my head against the wall So the rest of you see um, Adri and, and Noah doing hand drive in the corner. That's really cool, but also no thank you. And they seem to have a table all to themselves there. and um, The little kid's table. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Chapter 168, In the Clutches of the Drow. Okay. So, in the last episode, you guys had finally run into the drow, and that went really swimmingly well, didn't it? Yeah. As in, like, swimming in a lake of lava. joyous. Yeah. um, So, uh, you guys had made your way deeper into the uh, Underdark, and uh, had... uh, come across a swinging bridge over a very deep chasm and uh, the drow had uh, chosen that exact moment to spring an ambush on you and they dropped out the ceiling behind you they dropped uh, or they um, emerged from the tunnel in front of you and pinned you in on both sides and uh, one of them we you guys were especially eager to see weren't you right uh, there jesse yeah not too happy about this <laughs> yeah who who was that anyways that would be my fiance from before I became monk. Yes. So Varus had showed up, the uh, drow that you were betrothed to, and uh, as you're pointing out, uh, probably the whole main reason that you end up leaving the Underdark. So it was kind of the straw that broke the back sort of deal. Yep. Um, we tend to think of it as the impetus to get you to uh, take and explore new, uh, new frontiers and new horizons. Only horizons. Yes. There were no horizons before. And um, so anyways, uh, you guys had uh, been disarmed by the uh, by the drow, and they had led you down, 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 deeper into the uh, Underdark. Um, and actually, it was kind of good that uh, they did lead you because you started to come across various and sundry cross uh, paths through the Underdark and you guys probably would have been quite uh, seriously lost very quickly if you hadn't uh, had a guide to get you going there. But after several more hours, and of course by this time you guys have been going all day, you were pretty uh, pretty beat and pretty burst and pretty tired. Um, several more hours later, you guys had emerged from the trackway that you're on and as the last hour that you were there various other trackways had joined with this one until it was a grand avenue probably a good 50 feet across and had um you know 
evidence that large groups of people had moved in and out, probably large groups of carts and, and so forth, and, and maybe even burden beasts had, uh, had moved up and down this particular trackway, and you entered the most enormous cavern that you had ever seen. Um, this thing probably is a good several miles across. It is absolutely huge. And the roof um, would normally have gone and arched up into the darkness if it had not been for the nature of this particular cavern. The walls and the ceiling of the cavern are gently illuminated by phosphorescent lichens and mushrooms, giving a little air of twilight to the whole area. Um, you can just barely kind of make the outlines of all the buildings like that. And you kind of realize that although for all of you, um, not so much of a deal because uh, you, you can see in, in darkness, but you kind of realize uh, as you know, you've passed several slaves from the uh, you know, upper world that they would be casting around in darkness, blundering into things if it wasn't for this dim phosphorescence that seems to permeate everything. But uh, it illuminates this enormous, enormous cavern. And um, what's really interesting about that ceiling is that there are stars up there. You look up and you see the actual constellations of the night sky. And actually, everybody roll for me a nature check. Six. Fourteen. Sixteen. Fourteen. Nineteen. Okay, so um, Arlen and uh, and Noan, Noan, probably you encountered these things um, wandering around in the in the uh, woods there before you became a monk, and then Arlen, for you, um, one of these would every once in a while come crawling into the farm, and you'd have to go and chase it off. But there are very large beetles, usually found underground, but sometimes in the dim depths of the forest, that have these phosphorescent pouches on either of their cheeks. And you realize that that's what this is. There's actually these fire beetles that are clinging to the ceiling. And somehow or other, they're forming the constellations of the night sky. Is it? Are they enchanted? Or are they well, actually, glued to the ceiling? <laughs> you, you know, Adri, that, that yes, indeed, these have actually been trained and enchanted to wander across the roof of the, the cavern of Kaharst. And constantly create the night sky for the residents of Karst all the time. Is it the current night sky or is it just some... Well, roll for me nature again. See if you can figure it out. 20, not natural. You are pretty darn sure that this is exactly the same night sky that you would see if you were just able to suddenly spirit yourself to the surface. Is there a comet? There is not a comet. Too bad. Yep. That's pretty interesting. The red star is too close to be useful, though. Anyway. But anyways, that is fascinating, but is not nearly as awe-inspiring as the view that you get as you come out of this archway. And once again, it's about 50 feet across and probably about as high. And you come to the lip of it, and the trackway you're on depresses down into the city so you actually have a pretty good view and it is just a sprawling spider web if i can use that term of streets 
And interestingly enough, um, and it actually is laid out kind of like a spider web with these big radial avenues and then connecting in between them are other little avenues and in, in kind of an uh, increasingly large um, series of concentric rings. But you can see in the midst of all of this, there are about 13, in fact, not about, there are 13 hills or mounds that you see in the city um, that rise above, and in some cases, as much as 100 feet above the surrounding uh, terrain. And Adri, you know that those 13 uh, hills are the home cities or home um, compounds of the 13 priestesses of Lolth that rule over Kaharst. And then coming from the sides of the uh, various caverns, um, there are aqueducts that connect from the walls and apparently carry water to those various 13 cities or 13 hillsides. And then uh, one can only assume that the water then percolates down from there to the, the floor of it and, and is piped to the rest of it. And, and actually you get this kind of little weird deja vu sense there, Cotter, because of course, um, Porta Magnum has, you know, although it's built in concentric tiers going up also has uh, waterworks that are, you know, aqueducts that bring in water from the surrounding area to feed the large population there at Porta Magnum. So it's kind of a weird sense of deja vu for you. And you guys are led into the town and actually to a rather nice estate. It's not on one of the 13 priestess hills, but it's a rather nice estate. And now we're going to jump forward to the next day. And now the good news of the, this day is that you all got a good night's sleep. So, um, you know, you got to recharge any of your abilities that uh, you need a long rest for and all that stuff. Uh, the bad news is that you have none of your items. So as you were led into this estate, um, Adri, you were led into the house whereas the rest of the party was led into a sub-layer below the house. Um, and um, all of your gear and stuff was stripped at that point in time. Uh, so all of them... So th is that including things like Iowan stones and my bracers? Um, yeah, all of that would have been taken from you. So don't don't bother. Great. I'm down to 67 hit points now. Yeah, don't don't bother changing anything right now. We'll we'll do that if we have to. But uh, um, does that include my holy symbol? Um, actually, yeah, your holy symbol and everything was taken. Um, so uh, for the for the lads here, for the boys, for the men, um, you guys were led to a very rather large uh, room. It seems to be a dormitory. Um, but it does have um, a locking gate on the front. Uh, so maybe slaves quarters. It's hard to tell. Um, it's fairly comfortable, but um, you guys uh, are definitely locked in here. And um, then for the, uh, for the rest of you, you know, for your clothes and all that, they took all of your gear, all of your stuff. Um, and you were given male drow clothing, which is a sarong, and then this vest that um, has no sleeves. So uh, there's a lot of muscle showing. So appar apparently the drow ladies like their muscle showing there. 
Um, and that's what you're given to wear. Uh, for the casters, all of your spell components are gone. Okay. Um, so you're going to have to uh, keep an eye on what spells you can use that don't require any components whatsoever. And like I said, you're bedded down for the night and you got a good night's sleep, although probably a little uh, discu- you know, disgruntled and concerned with all of this going on. Um, and then Adri, um, you, this is actually your family's house. And you were actually led back. So to, he didn't. He didn't take me to his estate. No, took him. Took him back to yours. And you're actually oh. uh, brought back to your old room, which, unlike uh, Cotter's, which was um, pretty much in the exact same state it was, your room was pretty much just bare bones. Whatever, whatever you had in there originally, it was gone. Um, uh, but. Uh, the, the room itself is is still intact and you know has very very nice furnishings that you grew up with and all that stuff um, and then once again your gear was was uh, removed from you and you were given a uh, drow female um, I know uniform's not the right way fashion um, and it's a long skirt um, almost floor sweeping that has a spider web pattern and then um, is a bare midriff top basically a halter top um, that once again is uh, got a uh, spider web pattern on it. Um, with what this would just count as no armor. Yeah. Okay. How was that calculated? Well, let's not change anything right now. Well, we no, I know, there. but it would be uh, you just basically be ten plus, 10 plus your dex? dex at that point in time. All right. Also, another thing, since my. Uh, ring of mind shielding is invisible. They didn't take it. Uh, they would probably not have noticed it. Yeah. And then also, can I say that my glasses are, I need them for sight. Um, they probably would have taken those anyways. Great. Because slaves don't really need to see. Great. And they're used to dealing with slaves here. Nice. And, uh, this actually does bring about one little other problem for you, Craval. Um, they take your owl glasses. Um, so you've lost your, uh, dark vision. But once again, like I said, everything seems to be permeated with this diffuse uh, light from the various uh, lichen and fungi that uh, grow everywhere. So even though um, it's uh, you're not blind, it's it's more like you know you're walking around in twilight. So you you still can see around, just not as well as you could in in the full daylight. And uh, that's where you guys find yourself. The uh, Male contingent is all downstairs, locked in um, some sort of servants' quarters or something like that. And uh, Adri, you find yourself in your old room. Is Varys living in this, in 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 my old family home? Well, you don't know that at this point. Um, he, so he just dropped me off and walked away. Um, no, they they uh, you know brought you in the door and you were kind of ushered into your room. Like you said, your gear was taken. Um, and, uh, yeah, you don't know what the, the situation is at this point in time. You're just in your old room and, and, uh, that's where they left it. What colors are we wearing? For the, the, uh, clothing, the, uh, yes. the sarongs are kind of, of a deep blue. And, uh, then the, uh, vest is, um, uh, jet black with kind of like a silver trim around the edges. And I got to say, Craval, um, uh, of all the people here, you're really rocking it. 
you talk about going with the, the full-on Maori look here. You you're really you're rocking this look better than even anybody else. So do I'm a little, well. I'm surprised no one's screaming bloody murder since there's now a six foot tw- a six foot eleven dragonborn in the room. Um, yeah. Seeming yeah. is off. It, it it fades after uh, eight hours. Eight, you know, so at some time in the there's night. Now a tiefling, a half elf, a human. I think a human. Yeah, human. No, no. Nope. We don't have any humans. Two half elves. Okay, two half elves, a tiefling, and a dragonborn amongst a bunch of slaves. Right, but well, no, you guys I are in your own room here. Yeah, you you aren't exposed to the rest so, of the drought. I assume we were in some big, uh, the way he described. It, I assumed it was like some big open bay area type thing. No, no, it's like a bunkhouse, uh, just big enough for it. Probably it, it holds six, so it holds the uh, the four of you quite nicely. And seem, seeming doesn't require any material components, so we could cast that. But I mean, we, I mean him. Sounds good. Right, well, Cabal's pacing back and forth, very agitated. I'll, Not I, a happy I would cast it if they're like if we if someone like opens the door. Sounds very good. And uh, people do go by occasionally in the hallway, uh, back and forth. Um, although they do seem to be, uh, there, there are a couple of drow that go by, but a lot of them do seem to be overworlders or they do seem to be other residents of the underworld. You see some Darrow go by, um, excuse me, some Durgar, not some Darrow. And, but there's a couple of humans, uh, that, uh, you do see go by there. And, uh, anyways, so uh, I want to start searching my room and see what's, what's different from my time here. Okay. And basically what you find is, like I said, it was just basically cleaned out as if they never expected you to come back. And now it's just a standard, maybe even a guest room. Uh, but uh, it, it is your old room. You recognize your old bed and your chest of drawers and, and all that stuff. Am I locked in? Uh, you want to try that handle? Yes. You're locked in. Of course. Okay. And um, so, Adri, um, you also get a very nice night's sleep. And um, then you hear the door rattling as somebody is unlocking it. And uh, then Varus comes in. What do you want? He's pleasant as always, Adri. I'm so glad to see you. I'm surprised you're not happy to see me. After Are all, you though? Oh, I must say I am. Because um, obviously you are my access to your family romantic yeah why would that make me happy to see you well of course we are betrothed what could be better and i don't mean just to be indelicate adri but your prospects are certainly not great here although obviously any female is a uh, prize i mean what what male would not want to be propositioned by any female here in kaharst and and your family is a well rather wealthy one uh, but still, um, and he just kind of waves his hand in your direction, obviously indicating you're dusky and, and not black skin, you're blue and not uh, white eyes. It's like, uh, your prospects are not that great. I'll sort of take my arm back, say, you've realized that you brought me here against your will, mm-hmm. against my will. What's your plan? What are your motives? Oh, it's quite simple. Um all I require from you is your hand in marriage. 
and a air, and uh, then you can be on your way. Once I am ingrained in your family and have access to their trading partnerships, then I really have no need of you any further. Then perhaps we can come to an agreement. Uh, I'm always in looking for a good deal, don't you know? Because I know you're not interested in me. You're interested in what my position and my family can do for you, right? Oh, uh, well, if you want to be so direct, yes. So if we come to some sort of agreement where you help me do what I need to do in this city and you help me leave with my companions, would you agree? But of course. If I were to marry you and give you access to my household and my funds. Well, what what better deal could I possibly ask for? I didn't even think you'd be nearly this, shall we say, accommodating. But yes, that would be all I need. Now, of course, there's the matter of the air. So that will take a little time. Um, but that might be the most enjoyable part. Just kind of grimace. But uh, I'm going to think in my head, uh, cross that bridge when I get to it. But let's set a date for the wedding. And you must let me meet with my companions. They are important to me. Yes, yes. Well, and obviously they're important to me as well as I wish for my future wife to be as happy as happy can be. And, and you should not worry. Your family has located them in the best of the servants' quarters below. Uh, they're quite comfortable. And uh, even get them some new outfits. Um, you'll be quite pleased to see they uh, shape up very nicely. I didn't think your companions would clean up so well, but especially the very large one. Um, apparently, from what I'm told, looks very striking in, in uh, male's attire. Um, you really have collected quite an interesting uh, um, group of um, hangers-on, I guess we'd say. I, I'm assuming that, obviously, being a drow female, that you're in charge of the party? Of course. Yes, well, that is only the way it should be. Although you get kind of this cold tinge when he says that, like he doesn't really believe that. Uh, so, well, Let me meet with my companions this afternoon. And then after that, we can set a date for our wedding. They, I have an even better idea. And actually, it's not my idea. It's actually your mother's idea. We are all invited for a, a full dinner tonight. All of the group of you together. Your family, of course, wants to meet your companions. Obviously, anyone that you've recruited and commanded, they must be of the highest caliber. So they must meet them, of course. And I would like to meet them better, too. Obviously, um, any companion of my wife uh, is a companion of mine. I would dearly love to know more about them. Fine. Very good. Well, then I will take my leave and uh, we will see you tonight for dinner. Does he... Let me go to the servants' quarters. He just kind of slips out and you hear the lock click in the door. But at least you'll know you'll be meeting them when it comes to uh, to uh, dinner time tonight. That's true. Are there any plants in our place? It is pretty much just bare stone walls and okay. um, the... Uh, Beds and so forth, the, the, and actually it's bunks, there's three sets of bunks, um, are made of metal, uh, looks like iron, uh, bolted to the floors and the walls, and uh, they covered with a 
Well, it would normally be a straw tick, but you're pretty sure that it's some kind of cave moss. But it is very comfortable, at least. Right, I'm going to keep my eye out for any wooden, like, plant that I can get close to. Okay, yeah, there's no plants at this point. Yeah. It's all pretty bare down here. So where's our crystal pet, and how about Drax? Where did they Where did they go? Oh, I was afraid you'd ask about that. They are also were taken from you, and have no idea where they are. Even my hamster. Even your hamster. Drax is not going to be happy with the owl is flying around somewhere above ground. Yes, yeah, your your owl is somewhere up there with uh, with uh, Dania. Okay, and uh, time as it always does in these strange situation just kind of ticks by very slowly um the uh for the for the gentleman um food is brought by and it's um you know slipped in through a the there's a, a gap on the on the bottom of about two inches and and uh, the trays slide right under there um but uh despite the fact that you feel like you're pretty much in prison the food, at least, is fantastic. I mean, there's copious amounts of uh, what seems to be some kind of um, plant, and it's very interesting. Do you remember the um, cuisine of the elves mm-hmm. back there in, in uh, the Valley of Heaven? The squirrel? Well, oh, yeah. funny you should mention that. So t- they have all of those fantastic spices and fantastic sauces, but instead of being primarily plant-based, there seems to be chunks of meat in here. It seems to be primarily meat-based. Um, although there also seems to be copious amounts of fungus. There's mushrooms in every dish, it seems like, and lots of them. But uh, instead, of, uh, instead of having plants that are in, in uh, various sauces, it's mainly... Uh, meats and various sauces and it, it just like with the elves is just amazingly tasty well you know i'll eat it and then i'll go back to meditating and how about the rest of you anything can i identify the meat somehow um give me a nature check tastes like chicken <laughs> 16 um you know, you think it's some kind of beef, but it also has kind of a gamey flavor, so you're not quite sure. It's fungus-fed beef. 100% fungus-fed beef. Yeah. Free-range fungus-fed beef. Eliminate How many range. animals did you see since we've been down here? Well, actually, you guys saw evidence of uh, bird and beasts, you know, uh, their droppings and, and their foot uh, footsteps in there. So it could be that the uh, drow have either... Um, various uh like oxen and stuff they've imported from the surface or maybe something from from underground that they may have found so um not that i'm in the room with you guys but i i seem to recall there being giant lizards as beasts of burden down here so that might be what you're eating just food for thought Mm, and food for the soul and the body all at once the nice thing is they got the scales out so you know Uh, I, I discovered something minorly important. Fine steed has no material requirements. Oh so my god! Cast it whenever. So useful in this. <laughs> Summon ridiculous. an actual cow. Uh, no, uh, I don't think I can. Cue me banging my head against the wall. <laughs> but you know what does have a material cost? Fireball. Uh, all my healing doesn't, thankfully. So that's most good. of my spells don't. The only ones that do are mending for some reason 
Fireball, and Slow and Blight. Well, the rest of the stuff is just power that you channel from within yourself. Yeah, fire. Yeah. Boom, fire. Yes. And then so you can like cast all your cantrips throwing fire for no material component? Except for mending. What's the door look like? The door is pretty hefty bands of iron that um, are set into um, into the wall itself. And, uh, you know, a big swinging swinging door. The, the hinges are on the outside. It swings outward. But it's pretty pretty darn huge. I mean, they're probably probably inch thick bands of iron. And obviously, uh, you guys realize that the drow have been handling prisoners since time eternal and uh, probably have a pretty good way of, of making sure that that gets handled. I don't have metal melt, so. Oh, well. There's always next time. Okay, so you guys. Level seven spell or something. Um, bide your time. And uh, at some point in time, a uh, drow does appear at your door and uh, to inform you that you have all been invited to dinner with the family tonight. And uh, then uh, goes on their way. And so you have that to look forward to. And uh, so, Adri? Yes? You hear the lock turn in your door as evening comes on. And uh, the door opens. And it's your brother, Norst, and your two sisters, uh, Crinia and Syria. And uh, they are standing there in the hallway. And um, it's interesting. Your brother seems to look happy to see you. Your sisters, not so much. Well, I'm going to blatantly ignore my sisters and go stick a hand out to shake my brother's. And he doesn't even do. He just goes right in for the big hug. And he squeezes you to the point where you, like, lose your breath. He's, uh, and, and he just kind of whispers uh, um, into your ear. It's like, welcome back, Adri. It's good to see you, brother. And um, your old, uh, the older sister, Crinia, um, uh, says, uh, basically, it's uh, time for dinner, sister. Then let's go down to the hall okay and you uh hop out into the hallway and uh, just out of view on either side were about four guards on either side um and they uh, lead you down the hallway to the uh, dining room um and in the dining room um your father and your mother and your youngest the youngest sister uh karanti um are already seated and waiting um, and so are all of your companions and they seem to have a table all to themselves there and, um, the little kids table. Yeah. And uh, although, um, you're actually kind of a little surprised at this, Adri, cause you would think that, um, you know, not being family members and even worse being overlanders that they probably would have just been given bread and water rations and left to rot in the cellars. So you're actually kind of amazed that yes, indeed they are at the table with you. Are we not seamed? Um, I don't know. Were you going to put seaming back on again? Because they gave us clothing that would fit us. So I assume they know how large we all are mm -hmm. as compared to the... So I don't know. And they seem to know that we were overlanders? Well, the, 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 well uh, that might have been just considering... If they're going to put the, the clothes on Creval, they would feel scales instead of skin. 
Well, they pretty much just gave you the uh, the clothing to put on. But if you do remember, when you guys hit the taxation portal there, they knew that you were from the overworld and and uh, said that, you know, they didn't know why you would put on this disguise, but you assuming that you did it to fit in. But they were somewhat uh, somewhat flattered by it. But um, they did, in fact, know that you were from the overworld. And, and they said that their spies had told them that. So, Yeah. Save a spell. Okay. Yeah, are there any wooded plants that we walk past? Nope, it's uh, somebody's house, so it's uh, just seems to. I mean, the uh, in place of what we you know normally would be somebody's like little house plants, they have house fungus. Cute. So you got various forms of moss and and uh, lichen that drain out of bowls on, and uh, they're actually very pretty. Some are very interesting colors, um, and thankfully for you, uh, their creval, a bunch of them are luminescent, so they tend to throw off just a little bit enough of a glow that you can find yourself around what about little bits of bat guano uh yeah not so much Dang. what that's one of the that's the only material requirement for fireball oh really yeah bat okay. guano or sulfur can i get an egg no just kidding <laughs> hey creval yes are you able to do ascending to a sister say again can you do ascending to your sister? See if she can uh, range, get some help sent? Nope. Fortunately, I cannot. We're on our own. Well, might as well enjoy dinner. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah, and actually dinner, uh, once again, just like the uh, uh, meals that you had previously just fabulous cuisine and, and very reminiscent of the elves because obviously the the drow fled from from you know elvish society and took their cuisine with them but uh, once again it's it's mainly seems to be based on meat although this one is very interesting because they have like these very large slabs of um mushroom so you know how like on some mushrooms you sl- you can slice the the stem and you end up with these big discs these are actually um, rectangles so they were cut out of an even larger fungus but they are cooked in such a way that they are like almost tender like um, slabs of ribeye steak would be uh, but one and then you know covered in sauce and, and then delivered to your table just like that so uh, sorry just clarifying we are not in seeming right now right yeah you you are you okay um is uh are we allowed cutlery and all that um, yeah, I mean, they have, I mean, it's like butter knives, um, but, uh, you, you do have, uh, you know, regular, regular forks and knives and, and spoons. Like napkins, stuff like that too? Um, they would probably be napkins and, and, and they actually have gilt napkin rings that, uh, hold them and that sort of thing. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of looking for a, like a piece of white cloth. Um, like is, is the napkin like white? No, they, they are a jet black with, once again, a spider web pattern knit into them uh, or embroidered on them. It would be a better way of doing it in, in what looks to be actual silver thread. That's really cool, but also no thank you. Okay. Some of these artifacts would be cool to take back with us if we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, there would probably be some collectors on the surface that would uh, pay a pretty penny for this. Start commenced to enjoy meal, I guess. Yep. And it actually is very enjoyable if entirely a uh, tense. So is we... my whole family there then? Yes, your whole family, your mother and your father. And um, well, let me qualify that. Your older brother, Nakar, 
is not there, but the rest of the family is mother and father, um, your two sisters and your uh, younger brother Norst. So we sit, commence to eat a very awkward meal. Yes, definitely. Okay, and Cotter, you get a message. Insinia's voice and uh, Kraval, you get a message. Okay, and um, so you guys dig into the meal, and once again, um, is uh, quite delicious. Um, the maitre d, the steward in charge of the meal is a, uh, is a male drow. Um, however, you notice that all of the serving people, and there's probably about four of them are in fact, um, either other races here in the underworld. There's a couple of, a couple of deep dwarves and then, but there's also a human and what looks like a half elf. Uh, you got to assume that they're slaves. Um, and, uh, there's a musician in the corner who is, uh, playing a, uh, a lute and just kind of providing incidental music there. While this is happening, I'm going to look around and see if I can find any family dynamics, any tensions, any people who might be on my side versus our captors. Okay, really good. Um, and actually, I should have also mentioned, um, uh, Adri, of course, Varus is there as well, sitting in at, uh, at the table next to you. And uh, so roll where, where is Norstat in relation to me? Um, well, he, uh, Norst is actually about, he's on the other side of your mother and father, um, with, uh, along with your younger sister. And, uh, then you're, you're on the other side with, uh, your older sister and, and, uh, Varus. And so ro roll for me, uh, insight there. No one to see what you determine. That would be a seven. I'm, um, <laughs> well, I was going to say I'm on fire today, but too soon. Yeah, you, you get uh, you get kind of conflicting uh, uh, stuff there. It, it seems like um, the mother and father and and um, the mother is a human, um, which you know makes it very interesting that she is uh, in this position of power. Um, and then uh, the father is a full-blooded uh, drow, and uh, then the uh, various brothers and sisters uh, seem to be variously um afflicted with the the human part um adri is probably the most noticeably um half drow you know her and actually the rest of you now that you've actually seen adri standing next to an honest to goodness drow are kind of amazed um that you didn't see the difference before um her white hair which is on the surface seems beautifully white down here compared to the absolutely jet or excuse me, absolutely white hair of the uh, drow looks like we said, like more like platinum blonde. It almost looks dingy in comparison and her skin, which looks just remarkably black up there in the surface. Now that she is standing next to an actual drow, you can see that it's almost dusky charcoal and um, especially you Cotter feel like, um, almost a little sorry for her because obviously this must have marked her as being something completely different down here in the uh, underdark. Um, her other um, brothers and sisters are not nearly so um, remarkably half drow. Their skin is a good deal darker and probably could pass for a full blooded drow. Um, only her uh, brother Norst seems to have inherited the mother's blue eyes as well. Uh, the other, the other, um, sisters uh seem to have you know the white eyes of the drow 
So my parents or anyone isn't talking at all. Oh, they're they're uh, having just sort of the usual dinner banter that they have, um, and uh, and actually, um, roll for me insight if you would. What language are they speaking? They are speaking Elvish, but it has is a Drowish um, dialect. So there's you know you speak obviously Elvish, but there's just kind of words that you don't quite catch. Um, it's almost like if you know you spoke Spanish and you had next to someone who spoke Portuguese and a lot of the words you'd understand, but there, mm-hmm. then there's other ones you just don't quite. I got a four. Okay. <laughs> then then you don't uh, you don't catch anything in the room there. Um, there's an interesting thing that does happen during the meal as well, though. Um, the uh, half elven serving girl that's there, um, she is carrying out the uh, bottle of wine. And the wine that they're serving here appears to have come from the halfling lands. It's actually Kaleskoe wine. And she's carrying a bottle on a tray and she like kind of trips at some point and the bottle just goes tumbling and hits the floor and just smashes and wine goes all over the place. And she just kind of jumps back and she looks absolutely mortified. And it's kind of looking around, um, and just the way she's acting, you would expect that she's expecting to maybe be flogged or something for this. But um, your father there, Adri, um, says, looks at her and says, no matter, no matter. Here, um, clean that up and then take this to the to the uh, kitchen, if you would. And he pushes a, a kind of a little, what do they call those trays with a little dome on top? Cloche. A cloche? Cloche. 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 Okay. Cloche. So a tray with a dome on top. It's a cloche. A cloche. So he pushes this little cloche forward, and she uh, quickly runs to the back, uh, comes back out with uh, a you know, set of rags and sops up the wine and, and cleans up the broken glass. And um, then when she's done with that, she uh, picks up the uh, cloche. 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 She picks up the cloche, and as she's just about to turn and um, head away with it, uh, Adri, your father just goes and pulls the little dome off the top, and inside is one of those spiders that you guys saw. Um, that's about the size of a dinner plate, and it just springs at her. And as it's springing, you can see the red hourglass on the bottom of it. And before, I want to shadow step in front of it. Well, it's in her hands, so I mean, basically, it just springs and lands on her. And even be, are you going to shadow step over there? Yes. Okay. And as you materialize next to her, um, you know, the thing has buried its fangs into her uh, arm and um, then leaps aside and, uh, you know, goes over to your father and just kind of crawls up on his shoulder like it's some sort of a a, uh, pet uh, bird or pet hamster or pet uh, crystal creature. And the uh, you just see the uh, serving girl's eyes grow completely wide. And then all of a sudden, just this little foam appears at the corner of her mouth. And she just sags in your arms. No. And there's no time for us at the other end to do anything? Um, it's like all the way across the room to you guys. Well, I'll just, I guess I'll just sit on the ground with her body. I don't really know how to respond to that and a couple of the servants come in and just kind of kind of roughly pick her up and uh 
and immediately, you know, carry her out of the room. And you're just sort of sitting there in the middle of the room uh, by yourself. What are you going to do at that point, Adri? I just want to look with as many daggers as I can at, at uh, both of my parents. And they seem to be completely unfazed by that. Um, interestingly enough, though, your uh, older sister, Crinia, just has this wicked gleam in her eyes and smile on her face. Well, I'll get up and make my way back to my seat. Um, then I'll just kind of settle myself in, sort of smooth down skirts and such, and say, Varys and I are selecting the date for our wedding. And actually, as you get back to your seat, Varys says to you, says, oh, that's a neat trick, my love. Fantastic. And then uh, when you say that, he kind of beams out at everybody and um, your older sister actually has an intake of breath. Like she's um, absolutely surprised and uh, a big smile appears on your father's face and in your mother's face. And your mother says, oh, is that the case? That's so wonderful. Well, I hope you are as happy in your wedded bliss as your father and I are. And she kind of just gently puts her hand on your father's. So do I. Very good. Um, and how about the rest of you? What do you say when you hear that news? I just glance over like, what? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to like be surprised, but I'm not going to say anything at this dinner. No. Especially after what we just saw. Sounds good. Um, so are you going to quietly finish your, your meal there? Well, I think Adrian and I have a little hand communication that we've gotten from our our monastery. Yes, monks can't. Yeah. So I kind of flash, let's kill him a lot. Um, I, I don't have much of an appetite anymore. I would imagine. Okay. So uh, we'll wrap up dinner at that point in time. I Obviously, for a bunch of you, it's uh, kind of soured at this point in time. You're not so much interested in the dessert dish, which seems to be some sort of really nice dessert fungus. Very sweet tasting. Um. And um, you are led back to your rooms. Um, and uh, Adri, obviously you hear the lock click as you... You said I could meet with my companions after dinner. Oh, that's true. Yes. Um, it will actually... You, but you're led back to your room and you hear the lock click. And um, the rest of you are, once again, taken down to your servants' quarters. And the door clangs behind you. And uh, then Adri... Uh, you hear a knock at your door about 30 minutes later. I'll go open it. And uh, there's Varus. Now what? So you wanted to meet with your uh, companions, I believe. And uh, I might have some gainful employment for them to do while they're here. I think it would be beneficial for all concerned. You just want to hear what I say as we meet with them, don't you? Oh, there's probably a uh, good deal of that as well. Uh, I w wouldn't have gotten this far in this matriarchal world of ours if I hadn't kept my ears open. Fine, take me to them. Very good. And he holds out his arm to escort you. I said take me, don't escort me. As you will. And uh, he starts leading you. Now, obviously, you know the, the way down to the servants' quarters. And... Uh, you uh, come up to the door and, hey, hey guys, it's Adri. She's at the door. I'll stand up. I suspect a ruse. 
And you're standing in front of the door, Adri. What do you want to do? I'll walk in. Okay, well, it's still locked, but... I'll unlock it and walk in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have the key or anything. Um, says, and Varus turns to you and says, As a show of good faith, he says, and as the uh, first maybe carrot in the uh, deal that I have for everybody... Let me unlock the door for you. And he unlocks the door and swings it open. I'm going to squint even more. That's not really a carrot. That's like a, oh man, I could have been worse. Have we attempted to cast any magic before this? No. Well, not since you've been here, no. Didn't think so. Um, and he uh, motions you to go in the room, Adri. And he says, and do please tell them that I have a interesting deal that would be very profitable for all involved okay is he following me into the room he's standing there at the door actually um a, uh, and you actually got kind of the feeling that even though he seems to be kind of an outspoken male drow that um he still you know has enough of the old ways that he's not going to go into the room unless beckoned all right then i'll shut the door on his face okay um, that might not be the smartest thing i don't care what he thinks very good. <laughs> so anyways, Adri's in the room with you. Uh, the door's closed. Um, Faris is outside. Um, and he, he he does have this look on his face. Like he's got something up his sleeve. So does everybody down here. I'm not that worried about it. I'm going to say, so, you know, I ran away from home for less than that. So I can see where you, where you got it. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so I want to sort of do two things. I want to be signaling to no one, um, that my younger brother is on our side. I don't really know how our, our little signal language works exactly since we haven't really covered the details of that, but something to the extent of younger brother, good. <laughs> it's monks can't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that, uh, Varys and I are coming to a deal. I'm not sure of the long game for it, but I know that he'll help us so long as I promise to marry him and get him some position of power. He also wants an heir, but I will figure that out later. For now, he will help us get what we need here and provide us with some protection while we're in the city. But in the meantime, then I'll kind of nod to no one, just follow some sort of lead of mine as i'm figuring it out so the rest of you see um adri and, and Noah doing hand jive in the corner um and um any do you want to actually say verbally anything to anybody there adri or while you're doing that oh that that was all verbal except for the younger brother good part okay the rest of that was me telling oh, them are they talking can i look around the, the inside the cell i'm looking for anything that might that i think might be used like for some sort of listening device or something uh, yeah, give me investigation. 14. Yeah, you don't see anything overt. There's no, like, uh, floating eyes or, you know, glass holes in the wall or anything like that. There's a guy standing right there listening to us, but... But that's why I'm not being explicit. I'm just yeah. telling you guys the same things that I've talked to with him, so it's not new. You know the... Uh, how he, he mentioned, like, he has a key as a sign of good faith. 
You do you think he can like get us some of our stuff? All of our stuff. Hey, baby. Probably. Stuff. He and also mentioned he has a proposal, some sort of mission. I'm not sure if I'd be involved in it, but it's something he was going to offer to you all, which might allow you to get your equipment back. And and actually out in the hall, um, you hear Varus. He's he's kind of actually looking in another direction. He says, "Yes, I uh, might have a proposal that will interest you." and might be beneficial for all of us. I say speak. And he looks at you, Adrian, and says, may I enter, my lady? Fine. And he slides the door open, he comes in, and, and he sits down in one of the, the local, you know, first of the bunks there, and he says to you, um, very good. And uh, let me say uh, welcome here to the city of Kaharst. Um, how aware are you of how the politics works here in the Underdark, especially here in the city of Kaharst. You're not really good people, on the whole? Well, let us agree to disagree. But um, once again, are you aware of how the politics works here? I say our information is sparse because Adri, who leads our band, uh, only tells us what, what she deems necessary. It's, oh, well, very wise. And he, he nods to you, Adri. And he says, well, you will undoubtedly notice when you came in that there are 13 hills in the city of Kaharst, 13 rises. And each one of those is occupied by the household of one of the 13 priestesses of Lolf. And the, it's an interesting situation because um, who amongst these 13 will lead the group. The uh, priestesses are always vying uh, for favor in the eyes of our dark lady who rules us all. And uh, the most capable and most adept one uh, is blessed by her dark highness and uh, she becomes the leader of the city of Kaharst and of the drow in general here in the Underdark. That is until recently. You see, something has come here that has, how do you lovely overworlders say it? Upset the apple cart, I guess it is? Yes, yeah, something has upset the apple cart here. And I am only amongst the briefest of descriptions, but apparently an object of immense power has come to Kaharst. I'm only told it is a box upon which a gem floats above. But it has come into the hands of, at the time, was one of the minor priestesses here in Kaharst. The lowest of the 13, if you will. And apparently, just for possession of that object, she vaulted to the top of Lolth's estimation. Now, here's where we can perhaps scratch each other's backs a bit. Um, for you see, um, I have ambitious designs. I know, I know you're saying he's a male drow. What ambition could he possibly have? Well, as you've probably heard the phrase before, uh, well-behaved men rarely make history. But I tend to upset the apple cart again, if you will. Now, 
here you all arrive in my lap, as it were, at just this very moment. What could it be but a sign from the dark lady herself that you were sent here to help, especially as you've, you know, appeared in the midst of my betrothed? Um, I have generated some intelligence upon where this box can be found in the 13th uh, priestess's household. And if, let us say, it were to be spirited out of that household, then ended up in, let's say, my hands, well, I could definitely choose the next head of the 13 houses here. Um, so I would once become maybe the most wealthy and most powerful male in the entire Underdark. Um, a worthy aspiration, would you not say, my betrothed? It's an aspiration. Very good. So, um, along those lines, if I was to be able to recover maybe some of your gear or all of your gear and get it to you, and uh, was to set you upon your way, um, if you recover that box, would you then be more than willing to bring it back to me so I could then bargain it off to the highest bidder amongst the houses? Um, of course, after you completed this job for me, you would be free of uh, this, any gestures to the room, lovely abode. Um, you would be sent upon your way and uh, freed from the Underdark. Um, what do you say? I say I'd be happy to put this object in your hands. We need more than just our gear, though. What more could I provide? If you could provide me with this box, I think I would be very generous. I need to go with them. Well, that could be a problem. But perhaps we can discuss that point later. Did you not see what I did in the dining hall? The yes. only way that they'd be able to make it into the priestess's home to steal this box is with my help. Trust me, they do not have the stealth capabilities that I do. Oh, that I'm quite sure of. Um, you were able to sneak out of uh, Kaharist in your youth. Um, but uh, let us say that uh, my experience with females here in the Kaharist is that you cannot trust them any farther than you can throw them. And uh, I'm not much of a thrower. Funny, that's my experience with everyone in Kaharist. Well, you may be correct there, but you'll find that the males are much more dependable. Uh, we have to... Band together, if you will, to survive. Then I won't marry you. Well, that would be a bit of a problem. Um, like I said, let us discuss that finer point a little later. Why are you? It's not a discussion. It's a declaration. This is not at the behest of what you wish to do. This is what I decide. I go with them, or it happens not at all. Well, um. Let us say I'm leaning in your direction then at this point. But we'll, we will uh, hammer out the fine details later. Arlen is visibly annoyed. Vara seems to be visibly delighted that you're visibly annoyed. I'm sorry, out of curiosity, is Adri the oldest of the sisters? No. No. Are you the only one not married? I don't know about that. Well, you do know your older sister, Crinia, is married because she appeared in your... Uh, uh, vision at the moon festival all those years ago 
It's um, been like three months. Three months ago, um, and saying that she was now married to a Lord of the Underdark, but um, you you have no no knowledge of of uh, Syria's marital status, um, or Norris for that matter. So uh, what say? Um, especially if I was to allow Adri to uh, accompany you on this trip, uh, would you uh, be willing to purloin this object for me and bring it back? We'd need some preparation time. Well, we have nothing but time here. Yeah, that's not entirely true. I have a gold mine that needs help. Oh, really? Well, that is spectacular. Perhaps maybe uh, when we're done, I'll hold you for ransom until they pay me off in gold. Uh, yes. Maybe your weight in gold? I don't know. <laughs> I make a joke. Sorry. I'm going to look at... I um, smack the back of Cotter's head. <laughs> I'm going to look at uh, no one to see what he thinks. I'm going to go get the box and I'm going to put it in his hands. Very good. Does that uh, agree for all of you? I nod. Very good. We'll see. I, I knew I could depend upon you for uh, services. You are obviously quite capable or you would not be in, in Adri's service. Um, so, my dear, um, shall we repair to the upper levels again and uh, we can talk about... Uh, how we can uh, free you up from your particular captivity to get out there and help with your uh, companions in this quest. Fine. Do we get the gear now or later? Uh, well, obviously, um, you're not supposed to be out and about. It's something I'll have to arrange. Um, it shouldn't cost me too many bribes, but uh, be ready when uh, I come to open the door. We'll uh, have a, only a short time to uh, get you out of here and back again. And with that, he uh, opens the door for you, Adri. Adri, can you? Oh, kind of. What? What? Can you find out the girl's name? The half elf. Um, the cool? servant. Yeah, the one that died. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Okay, and are you gonna accompany him out then? Yes. Okay, and he closes and locks the door and uh, starts heading upstairs. Uh, he's staying a, a step and a half behind, as he should for a proper drow male. And uh, he says, well, I was hoping that they would have a little more initiative, my dear, that they'd be able to accomplish this mission without you. But uh, clearly the males of the overworld are no more useful than the males of the underworld, are they? Um, pity, pity. Uh, but anyways, um, so yes, I will uh, make the appropriate bribes. And uh, when that happens, uh, please be ready to accompany your companions and direct them to uh, do it. I will assemble all the information I have and bring it to you. It's a plan. Very good. And uh, like I said, uh, you've already announced that we were setting a date for our marriage. So let's not let that go too long. I'm sure your parents will want to know by tomorrow when we are to be wed and probably as soon as possible. Let's get this mission completed first. Yes, yes. Well, I think uh, once we uh, do that, I'll have enough wealth and prestige in this uh, city to make your life quite comfortable. And then with that, he closes the door and you hear the, the door lock behind you. And what are you going to do at this point, Adri? You're, it's evening. You're back in your room. It's locked. Are there guards posted outside of my room at all? Um, you did not see any. But um, like I said, when your sister came to, or sisters and brother came to get you, there were four guards with them. So uh, they're definitely around here somewhere. 
And do I have windows? Uh, Which I'm do, assuming I do. You, you do not. Um, the uh, the room has uh, just only um, door in it. And that kind of makes sense because if you have windows, I mean, first, there's nothing to look out at. It's uh, just the city of Kaharstan. You know, it's always dark. And second, uh, windows are a way for people to get into your house that you don't want in. So the drow tend not to have them. Suppose I'll just go to sleep and wait, wait until I'm able to meet up with the rest of the party. Okay, and uh, you're um, just sort of settling down there, getting you know your before bed preparations made, and you hear a very faint knock at the door, followed by a really—it's like somebody's turning the key in the door, but they're doing it at an amazingly slow rate, like they're trying to make it make not any noise at all. We'll stand up or sit up, just kind of listen and wait. Okay, and the door cracks open and you hear the voice of your younger sister. And she says, Adri, Adri, are, are you still awake? What do you want? And she just kind of slips in and, um, you know, she has that whole fearful stance. She's kind of looking back behind her and she closes it behind her. And she says, Adri. It's Nara, our brother Nara. Did you not notice he wasn't at dinner? I did, but I thought it was something important. Why? What's wrong? And she, you know, kind of exasperatedly sighs and says, Nara was sent on a, a raiding party against the Illithids, and half of the party didn't come back. Um, they apparently were ambushed and... Obviously, you know, mother and father don't care one little bit. I mean, a fool boy got himself captured. Who cares? But he's our brother, Adri. We must do something. And then she reaches into her blouse or her halter top and she pulls out a golden medallion. And it is a holy symbol of Sylvanus. I see you've converted. It's like, you opened my eyes when you left, and I start to become questioning everything about how the drow live and how they do. And um, I talked to some of your friends, and I found out the whole there's a whole network of people that want us to rejoin with our elven brothers and sisters. And um, anyway, yes, I... My eyes were awakened when you left. And now I, you know, I can no longer abide my brother being lost. Our brother being lost. Um, we have to do something. Do you know about the box? The, this new artifact that's arrived in the city? Have you heard about it at all? Yes, yes. Whoever has that box is apparently favored by Lolth and, and becomes the head priestess. Um, all of the families have... Uh, been vying for it. There's been several assassinations uh, just because of his presence. It's not just a box. I know exactly what it is. It's either a facsimile of or the actual phylactery of a lich that's been plaguing the surface world. It's part of what me and my companions have been trying to destroy up there, and it's led us down here once more. And her I'm... mouth just drops open in, in, uh, in shock. Varys has made a deal with my companions and myself that if we retrieve that box, then 
he'll do something for us in return. I'm not entirely sure what his motives are yet, but we need that box to get out of this city and we need to destroy it at any cost. And she says, yes, yes, but, but what of our brother? Um, he's missing. He could be dying. Oh, Adri, you have to do something. You've been to the surface world. You've, you've done so many more things. Certainly you can help us some way. You and your companions, they look like magnificent fighters. I'll see what we can do. I'll see when we go on this mission. I'll see if I can ask anyone, maybe servants, if they've heard or seen anything, could give us more information. But yes, we we do need to find him. We do need to save him. So, and, and time is of the essence. I, I know um, Varus wants you to find this phylactery, but the phylactery will be there forever, or so I hear. But our brother could be dying as we speak. I don't know that I could leave the castle without anyone noticing. And she says, I can help you there. And she tucks the pendant back in her, uh, in her, in her, uh, halter top. And she says, you just give me the word and I can get the gates open and we can spirit you out. Including my friends? Of course. Like I said, there could be great trouble wherever, uh, Nara was that he got captured if he's still alive. When would be the best time? She says, tomorrow night, um, our parents are going to a uh, dress ball at the 13th household, and there'll be very few people in the house. I could easily come and spirit everyone away then. I was told that the 13th household has the phylactery in it. Yes, and they're having quite the quite the dress affair. As you can imagine, there are now the most powerful family in the entirety of Kaharst and uh, anyone and everyone who's invited to their gatherings does so on a moment's notice. It, it would be an insult not to go. Then tomorrow night it is. Very good. I'll be back again tomorrow night at this time. Make sure your, your uh, companions know and we'll be off. Can you send a servant to pass the news? Someone you trust? I will do so. And uh, she said, I'll do it myself. Thank you, sister. And thank you. And she comes up and hugs you and says, and thank you for opening my eyes. I'll kind of give her a warm smile and then make sure the door is shut fine behind her. Okay. And she kind of skulks out and, you know, looks both directions and sneaks down the hallway. Um, and you do hear the, the lock turn in the, in the, uh, or a key turn in the lock as she goes, because obviously it'd be a little obvious that if she didn't lock you back in and, uh, that's where we're going to stop today. Okay, well, uh, once again, sorry about the bird chirping in the background. Uh, this is the last of the episodes, though, where uh, Jessie was evacuated. She's back in her home, and all is well. They've been able to put the forest fires down. But enough about reality. Um, let's talk about fantasy. Uh, so the 
players really have gotten themselves in a bit of a pickle. They're now disarmed, disarmored. All their gear is taken away by the uh, drow, and they're pretty much at their mercy. So what horrible things are going to happen to them? Um, and uh, it was kind of interesting to see everybody's reaction when they found out where the phylactery was. Um, you couldn't see it here on the podcast, obviously, but it was pretty hilarious from behind the Dungeon Master screen as everybody's eyes just went really wide. It's like, oh, there's the phylactery. Um, anyways, so what's going to happen with that? Apparently, there's going to be a dress ball. Uh, but uh, the phylactery is right where all of Kaharst is going to be, so that could be pretty ugly. So can the party sneak in there? Are they going to have to run away? What's going to happen? We'll have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at Pool Media dot podbean dot com and thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head <laughs>